Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is a guy that has just one really long fingernail for some reason. Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? For some reason. Hey, Cortland. Yeah, well, what are you going to do with it? Play guitar? I can do all sorts of things with this nail. Like what? All sorts of things, all right? Don't question me. Like open up a can? Like, uh, you know, somebody's life. paint it or like scratch my back. <laughs> okay, sure. I can dig it. That sounds like um, appropriate uses for one very long fingernail. How long is very long? Uh, you watched the episode. At what point does it become very long is the question. Oh, I don't know. Dude, I, I bite my fingernails, so I barely have fingernails this. So any fingernail longer than like the tip of my actual finger is very long to me. I see. If it doesn't just blend in with your skin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how are you doing today, Brandon? I'm doing all right. That's good. Yeah. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? <sighs> it was swell. That's awesome. You guys were probably the only people to celebrate Thanksgiving anywhere near you, though, huh? Yeah, absolutely. That's okay. It's understandable. Does Australia have their own, like, Thanksgiving day-ish? I guess they wouldn't, would they? No. <laughs> They're not thankful <laughs> for anything. <laughs> Shit, you probably even had to work. Like, nobody even cared. <laughs> yeah. It was just another day, except I came home and ate a shitload of turkey. <laughs> How was your Thanksgiving? It was alright. In the morning, me and uh, me and my son went to my brother's house, the one with all the pinball machines. So Rocking. Yeah, he really wanted to play pinball, so we had some fun over there. And then, um, you know, we had, you know, another Thanksgiving, and there was food, uh, the family, you know. Food? Typical nonsense to be had it was very boring um overall it was shit boring. not thankful at yeah. all <laughs> no <laughs> could have been better but you know whatever. <laughs> <laughs> thankful it's maybe over. We'll, we'll try again we'll try again and, and, uh, around christmas see what happens i said i told my family i said you need to get your shit together <laughs> we got one month we'll see each other it's better be a happy joyous time and that was that yeah, it sounds good. Did you have any pie? Yeah, I had pumpkin pie. Was it good? Yeah, it was pumpkin pie. Of course it was good. I don't like pumpkin pie. I know, and you're wrong. Yeah, well. You know, Rebecca sent me a message um, last night about cheesecake, and they made it with Rice Krispie Treat crust, and I was like, I have never thought of that before. Rice Krispie Treat crust. Yeah. It seems like it would get soggy. Mm, you ruin everything. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's what they say. Yeah, you're a Debbie Downer. <sighs> That's okay. You know what? Maybe I'll make it, and I won't share any with you because you're like 3,000 miles away. And I will just go on and on about how delicious it is. And you're going to sit there, and you're going to be like, what's up? <laughs> it sounds so crunchy. Can you send pie in the mail? Uh, I don't know. We could ask HelloFresh. I'm sure they they send meat through the mail. Internationally? Oh, probably not internationally. <laughs> so yesterday was my first day off in 18 days. Wow, that's a long time. I know, and then I had to have Thanksgiving, so it basically wasn't a day off because, you know, you have to spend time yeah. with people and it's not what <laughs> I want to do. 
No. <laughs> well, anyway. <laughs> do you want to get into this episode? Let's do it! Alright. Let's do it! So Brandon and I just got done watching The Tale of the Guardian's Curse. It's fucking mummies, I told you. It's mummies, but mummies didn't need to happen. No, mummies had nothing to do with this, but I told you there would be mummies. <laughs> I mean, congratulations, Brandon, I guess. It's it's mummies, but mummies are unnecessary to the storyline. Yeah, they're just like a seasoning peppered on. Yeah. <sighs> it's unfortunate, because a real mummy story would be cool. Well... I don't know, maybe we'll get it. We're probably not gonna, but maybe we'll no. get another mummy story. <laughs> I th- I thought it was... This is the... Okay, so Tucker tells the story, so we get another fucking Tucker story. That's three. But this is probably the best Tucker story. Like, he's really trying to make a strong impression. Like, he's told three stories. Sam's told one and is trying to coast on that story for the rest of her time in this club. <laughs> She's the Eric. Yep. Well, hold on. Frank hasn't even told a single story yet this season, has he? Frank doesn't have anything to prove. Uh, Yeah, he proved himself like two seasons ago. Yeah, he's like, I'm fucking Frank. Y'all know what I'm about. Just let me sit here and make fun of you. Hold on. In season one, though, Frank told one story that sucked. And he coasted on that. (laughs) (laughs) At least Sam's story was good. Yeah... I suppose you're right. So this is a, another Tucker story, and it's my favorite of the three Tucker stories so far. It's not saying a whole lot, because Midnight Ride was okay, and Phone Police was the worst of the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, by default the best Tucker story. Yeah. I don't know, I like overall, I, I, wasn't, I, I enjoyed myself when I was watching this episode. Like, it was fun. A little nonsensical for a moment, but that's okay. Yeah, it's an okay episode. I just wanted more from it. I wanted more from it, too. Um, the acting in it is pretty good, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> you've got you've got some real acting talent in this episode. Yeah, we do. Alright, you want to talk about it? Yeah. Okay. So the episode starts with a very brightly lit entrance to the Midnight Society's meeting area. So brightly lit. It's extre- it exce- looks, exceedingly bright. It looks more like a set than it used to. Yeah, it does. I don't know why. Well, Tucker comes running through the opening, and he's giggling like a five-year-old. <laughs> I mean, I know he's only like ten, but he's just like... <laughs> yeah, act your age, Tucker. You're ten, not nine. Come on. <laughs> Ridiculous. Gary follows closely behind. He stops and he points at him. He says, hey, get back here, you little toad. And we watch Tucker run and he bumps into Sam, who's carrying some logs. She says, hey. And Frank turns around to see what's going on when Gary yells, grab him. I didn't notice she was carrying logs again. Well, that's fine. Why is she always trying to be such a guy? (laughs) Oh, my God. I don't know. Her name's Sam. I, I can't. I can't deal with this anymore. No. Just, Her, just, she's, it's too much. Too masculine. It's too much. You want me to live in a world where I've got a... No, I just can't. A girl? No. Ugh. <laughs> it's, the, it's, 
Honestly, it almost makes... We should probably just stop this podcast because it basically makes the show unwatchable. Yeah, all right. Bye, everybody. Bye. So Frank does. He grabs him and he tells Tucker, yo, slow down, chief. And we cut to Gary and Betty Ann and Kiki are now standing next to him. And Gary tells the gang that Tucker stole his onk. Mm-hmm. He, d- he does seem like the kind of guy who would have an onk. I've never had an onk, and I don't know anybody that ever has. Shut up, Gary. <laughs> like, even if you had an onk, you wouldn't, like, carry it around all the time and be like, oh, where's my onk, you know? No, like, you wouldn't carry it around. You would keep it in a secret drawer. <laughs> yeah, just shut up, Gary. God damn. So Be- Betty Ann asks, you're what? And Gary says, my onk. And we cut to Frank, who's still holding on to Tucker, and he says, what's an onk? Tucker yells, back off, Godzilla, and I'll show you. <laughs> yeah, right. Godzilla. <laughs> He's really more of a King Kong. Okay. I'm telling, I'm going to tell Jason Alishar that you said that. No, please. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Jason's going to be like, yo, what did he say about me? <laughs> And I'll be like, well, 40-year-old Jason. (laughs) That would be an honor, really. You know what's kind of funny is that I look at my Facebook recommended friends, and Jason is almost always on there for me to just tap and ask for his friendship. I haven't done it yet. I'm too nervous. So Frank drops Tucker to the ground. And we get a close-up of Tucker, and he has a necklace on, and he's lifting up, lifting it out of his shirt when Gary says, That's it! And then he tries to grab for it, but Tucker slaps at his hand, saying, I need it for my story! No, you don't. Yes, he does. He really doesn't. He doesn't actually take it out and use it at all for a story, but he needs it for the story. He could have brought, like, a picture of an onk and just been like, This is an onk, because that's all he does with it. Okay, hold on. Spoilers, Brandon. Is there even an onk in the story? Uh... And one in one second of the story, a character says, "This is an onk." Okay, I think I remember that. But then they immediately start calling it an elixir, and they never call it an onk again. <laughs> yeah, so he he doesn't need it. He just wanted it in Gary's secret stash. Yeah, Gary's like, "You stole it out of my private drawer." What else do you think's in Gary's private drawer? <sighs> um, based on this, I'm guessing. Some monkey bone dust, maybe a bag of exploding ink. I don't know. Ooh. I bet you there's a stupid shit. Pair of super specs marbles in there. that are shaped like eyeballs. How old is Gary at this point? Like fucking like sixteen, seventeen. Yeah. Get your shit together, Gary. So Sam, she's in the middle of these two because they're like literally fighting at this point, and she's like screaming for them to stop. And she's trying to get them off of each other. And when they stop, she says, thank you. (laughs) She looks at Tucker and says, now, why did you take it? And she swivels to Gary saying, what is it? And we cut to Tucker and he says, it's an onk. And we quick cut to Gary, who tells his brother he should have asked. And that he's always taking his stuff. And we cut back to Sam, who tells Tucker to ask Gary for the onk. To which Tucker rolls his eyes, sighs, and then asks. We look at Gary. He stares. We cut to Sam, who tells him to quit fucking around and get on with this goddamn show. And then Gary agrees to let Tucker use his precious onk. And Tucker says, thank you to Sam. And the kids finally all start taking their seats. Sam's a strong mediator. Thank God she's part of the Midnight Society. She can pull apart all of these fights 
and brawls and riots. She's doing a man's work right now. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> At least they didn't say anything like that this episode. No. Next time it's her turn to tell a story, though. I'm sure it'll come up. I wonder if she's going to tell another story this season. I wonder if she's going to tell another story ever. I at least eventually we'll find out. One way or another. Tucker says he needed the Ankh because it's an ancient symbol everyone knows. <laughs> except everybody. <laughs> yeah, like five seconds ago. Nobody had any idea what it was. They didn't even know how to say it. <laughs> I had to throw it in their faces, Tucker. Everyone who isn't an idiot knows what this is. <laughs> Tucker says it means life. And we cut to Gary, who's just nodding, and Tucker continues saying, My store is full of ancient symbols, but you have to know how to read them. Like the Ankh. It means life, and that's good. <laughs> it means life, and that's good. Yeah, that's what my note says. Actually, it says it, says it means life, and tat's good, because <laughs> I'm dumb, but... What a real hot take from Tucker. Life, that's good. <laughs> pretty good i mean he hasn't lived that long so he doesn't know but i'm a fan so far it's been not too bad he says but you have to be careful because sometimes life can be far worse than anything you can imagine he's not wrong i guess <laughs> sam and betty and look at each other they're intrigued a wolf howls in the distance we cut back to tucker who says including death wait what <laughs> what is tucker talking about what Look, Tucker knows a little thing about life, okay? He's been through some shit. Basically, he's like, life's great. Sometimes it sucks, and then you die. So <laughs> benefit the... <laughs> well, he continues, so benefit for the approval of the Midnight Society. And he chucks in the monkey bone dust. He calls the story... The Tale of the Guardian's Curse. What an intro. Thanks for bringing down the house, Tucker. The episode begins, man, this introduction to this episode, was, this episode was a weird start. It was. The episode begins by panning over some ancient looking statues, some pottery and stuff like that. It looks like they're in a museum, which they end up being in a museum. The yep. camera pans over to some guy who's banging on a fence or something. I don't know. Another guy's cutting stuff with a handsaw. <laughs> I don't know what they're it's doing. It's really weird. So it's like this place is under construction or something. Some fat guy rolls in on a little cart and tells some other guy that it's, it's supposed to go right here. And the guy's got some blueprints in his hands. He's saying, you're right. There's not supposed to be a wall here. This scene, this whole scene of the... The people working here reminded me of the opening of Jurassic Park, where they're transporting the raptor into the pen. Okay. I don't know why, but it did. That's way better. Than... <laughs> Shooter! Shooter! Jurassic Park is like the best movie, so it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Jurassic Park, that's good. All right, hot take from Brandon. <laughs> I guess I have to say something is good soon, too. The scene cuts, and now he's just smashing that wall with, like, a sledgehammer or a mining pick or something. <laughs> Which is funny of me to say, because those two things are very different, but I don't remember what it was. <laughs> the guys open up the wall enough to look into the hidden room. They do. And this guy's like, sweet mother of pearl, what is that? <laughs> We cut to a fork truck 
taking this box out of this room as the construction guys are babbling about how it's from Egypt and oh how it's got a curse on it and then the fork truck operator fucks up he drops the box we see there's a sarcophagus in that box how did they drop the box you know fork trucks don't just drop things that's kind of like what they're (laughs) for you know yeah that's kind of their whole thing yeah they got forks picking stuff up and moving it yeah safely and like without dropping it Mm -hmm. world's worst fork truck operator y'all that's my hot take essentially what happens is that this sarcophagus is shown to be in this box and that fat guy says i think we better call somebody on this we cut to in front of the museum a car strolls up as some gorgeous 90s music plays (laughs) and out of the car we get goddamn bobby budnick from salute your shorts oh i love that from we better call someone on this and then immediately bobby budnick's getting out of a car and it's like really that's who you call (laughs) and he just shows up like what's up dweebs what do you got here (laughs) uh bobby budnick is the authority on ancient egyptian hidden (laughs) sarcophaguses okay Yes, yes. He's a very learned individual. He's incredible. So this character is Josh, played by Danny Cooksey, who's Bobby Budnick. And he also recently added us as friends on Twitter. Oh, besties. I know. So we're good friends with Danny Cooksey, a.k.a. Bobby Budnick, and also Donkey Lips from Salute Your Shorts. Soon we'll have the whole gang. Next up is Sponge. I gotta find him. If you don't know Danny by name, you probably know him by voice, because he's been in a lot of voice work in television and video games. Yeah, he's Stoop Kid. He's Stoop Kid. He's Dave the Barbarian from Dave the Barbarian. Word? I didn't know that. Yeah, he's, that's Danny. I mean, I hated that show, so... Uh, I mean, I did too. Um, He was in Terminator 2, and Salute Your Shorts, of course, and just a bunch of other stuff. He's a really... He has a very unique voice. We jump inside to the museum... And two kids walk in. It's Josh, played by Danny, and Cleo, played by Vanessa King, who is in nothing else worth noting, aside from, I guess, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV series. Oh, that's a good show. I don't remember it much at all. Except for that one fat guy was in it, who was in some infomercials or something. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I don't remember him. He got skinny, though. Anyway, Josh (laughs) says, funny, it doesn't look like Mount Snowbird to me. Where do we buy our lift tickets? And then rushing from behind the kids walks in their father, played by Marin Doyle, who is in nothing else I could recognize. And he tells the kids, five minutes, no more, as he signs into the museum. Cleo walks up to him, and she's like, uh, Dad, we're really going this time, right? And Dad's like, yeah, just a quick peek, and we're off to the mountains for a whole week, I promise. And Josh walks up, looks at his sister, and says, he lies. <laughs> He doesn't say it that menacingly, but, you know, whatever. He lies. Lies. We look at two heads on spikes, right? A museum staple. (laughs) And this is the heads on spikes exhibit. (laughs) And the heads on spikes wing. Every museum's got them, so they showcase them here. Dad runs up some stairs, and here we get Tucker's little voiceover. Which I didn't expect because it's already been a couple minutes into the episode, so I didn't think we were getting one, but then we do. 
uh, Josh is like fucking around with these spike heads, and Tucker tells us that Josh and Cleo Dugan, or Duggan, I don't know, their mom died when they were little, so they were brought up by their dad, a professor. He tried hard to be a good father, but unfortunately, he knew more about ancient stuff than taking care of kids. Josh and Cleo follow their dad up the stairs. We switch scenes, and then dad is walking down some stairs, so he had to go upstairs to go downstairs? Uh, what? It's a weird museum. I guess so. He appears to be in that construction area from before. Some guy runs up to him saying, Professor Duggan, this is amazing in all my years. But dad stops him saying, Look, I'm on vacation. Shut the fuck up. I'm here for five minutes. But then this ass tells him, I believe you'll think twice when you see what we've got. Well, vacations come and go, but a find like this happens once in a lifetime. And it was here all the time, right under our noses. <laughs> He's very excited. Yeah, I mean, I get it, but just shut up, man. Josh gives Cleo a look that says we're going to be here longer than five minutes. And then they keep following Dad. We look over at the sarcophagus and Dad says, My God, where did you find this? And random fat guy tells him it was hidden behind a false wall. It must have been sealed there for decades. Unless I'm mistaken, it's... And Dad, like, shushes him with his hand. And he takes a step forward and says, It's from the Egyptian Temple of Life. It was robbed in 1921. And the other guy lets out a, uh, yes, quite. And Dad says they must get this to his lab. Now! And Dad and the other guy run away. And the other guy is chuckling the whole time. <sighs> no vacation. Fuck no. Josh and Cleo take a few steps forward to the sarcophagus. And Cleo says, You know what this means, right? And Josh puts his arm around his sister, and he says, yeah, no vacation, no skiing, no life. And we look back at the sarcophagus as it gets carried away by by two dudes. So uh, if I ever call Cleo Chloe on accident, mm-hmm. um, oops, <laughs> sorry. Do you think I had a Cleo dog named Chloe? is short for Cleopatra? Yeah, I hope so. It's way into ancient stuff. But where does Josh come from? Oh, King Josh and Hyman. Oh. Maybe he accidentally was... was, In the original script, it wasn't Josh and Cleo. It was Jesus and Cleo. (laughs) Okay. Maybe the mom got to name one kid and he got to name one kid. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably what it was. And he's like, Cleopatra the 15th. Maybe it's like they had Cleo picked out way before josh was born and they were like all right we just need a girl and then they had a boy and they're like oh fuck i don't know we'll name him josh or something and then they were like we have to try again this cleo name is just so perfect and then they had a girl and they were like yes let's (laughs) never take josh skiing (laughs) and that's the story of how josh got his name it all makes sense if you think about it like very vaguely but if you think about it too hard it makes no sense <laughs> yeah you gotta yeah. have to think about it just the right amount and that's good oh my god stop it okay tucker tucker's like it god made sea monsters it, it was good <laughs> pretty sure that's a line from the bible sea monsters <laughs> yeah i was at church one time and they, they they said something like that well i haven't gotten around to reading that book yet but now that I know there's sea monsters in it, I might check it out. Alright, not gonna lie, man. Sea monsters are, like, the coolest thing. There's something so captivating to me about sea monsters. <laughs> hey, you like sea monsters. That's alright. 
I've always liked sea monsters. Like the what Kraken. kind of sea monsters? Mm. I when I was a kid, I really loved Plesiosaurus. Mm-hmm. I thought that shit was dope. Yeah, and I also cool grew shit. up playing Echo the Dolphin, and and Echo the Dolphin. We've talked about this before. It's a time traveling dolphin. So in the first game, you go back in time, but you're a dolphin, obviously. So you're swimming around in the ocean, but it's all prehistoric shit, like the Dunkleosis or whatever the fuck that awesome shark is called. Mm-hmm. I just love that stuff. Yeah, sea monsters is pretty cool. <sighs> I love giant things in the ocean. Like I know that I never actually want to be in the ocean around giant things, but I like looking at them. All right, what about whales? Are whales boring or cool? I like whales. I think they're cool. All right, whales are good. I would love to see, like, a blue whale or, you know, like, whales in the Arctic Ocean swimming around, breaching and whatnot. (laughs) That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. When you were on your plane to Australia, did you look in the ocean and see a whale? (laughs) No, that would have been freaky. Did you look out of the ocean at all? I mean, you were mostly going over ocean. No, just saw clouds. Oh, okay. I've never been on a plane before, so... Yeah, it's it's cool the first time you fly, and then the next mm-hmm. thousand times you fly is not so cool. I wonder if I'll ever be on a plane. That's what I thought. And then you got on a plane? Yeah. Uh, I'm a big baby, though, man. Like, I don't like anything that moves faster <laughs> than, like, a car. Cars move pretty fast. Yeah, also, I don't like heights, and I don't like a lot of things, man. Okay, you don't like things that are fast and high, so yeah, planes are right out. I know. They're so convenient, though. Like, we drove to Chicago, and that the drive is long, and if we would have taken a plane, it would have been like an hour. Mm-hmm. You'd be, like, settled in, and you'd close your eyes, put your little neck pillow on, and then it'd be like, boop, buckle your seatbelts, we're landing. It'd be like going up. Like, you'd have that horror of going up. I'm assuming. Like I said, I've never been on one. The horror of going up, and then you're in the middle of the air, you know, for, like, five minutes, and they're, like, right back down, and you're, like, oh, my God, I'm on a fucking roller coaster, which I've also never been on. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask. Fuck no, I ain't never been on no goddamn roller coaster. And, yeah, takeoffs are terrifying every time on a plane. Once you're up in the sky and you're cruising, it's fine, but... Taking off is always like, well, I'm going to die. That's what I'm scared of. Taking off. And, like, not that I don't trust a, a pilot or whatever, but. Yeah, you know. you're probably not actually going to die. It just feels like it. I hope that made you feel better. All right. Well, I'm not going on a plane anytime soon, I hope. So <laughs> So we switched scenes. <laughs> We're inside uh, Dad's office. And the other guys there, who I'm going to now call by name, Dr. Capel Smith. And he's played by James Carroll Jordan, who does a lot of narrative roles for documentaries. Mm -hmm. He's actually probably the most famous out of all of these people. No, he's not stoop kid. He's staring at the sarcophagus and saying, we'll create an entire Egyptian exhibit around it. The publicity alone would increase donations to the museum tenfold. We cut to Josh. He's pouring a liquid into a bowl. He's saying, another vacation trashed. And then the liquid starts reacting to whatever it is in the bowl. And it bubbles over. And Josh just throws a towel on it and acts like he didn't do anything. And we switch to Cleo, who's reading a book about the 1921 ransacking of the Temple of Light. And she's talking. And I didn't write any of it down because it was boring. 
I don't think there was anything of, of interest in there, though. No, it's just shit that Tucker made up, and Tucker doesn't know anything interesting about <laughs> Egypt. That's true. Tucker did make all this nonsense up. So Dad then says, the Egyptian authorities are going to be going to go ballistic after they find out that this mummy's been in the museum the whole time. And Dr. Capel Smith, which is the most annoying name, and I, I can't really shorten it. <laughs> I mean, I could, but it wouldn't. It wouldn't be his name, guys. He says aloud, Mina the Guardian. And we've got her. And Cleo asks, who? Even though she's reading a book about it. And Dad gives us this information we need for the episode saying, Mina. Mina was a goddess. The ancient Egyptians believed she used a ring of eternity to bring forth life from the, the earth every spring. Josh walks over saying, she should have used the ring on herself. Maybe she wouldn't be stuck in this old box. Oh! <laughs> Got her. And he, la- he laughs. <laughs> he pats the box. And Dr. Capel Smith adds that there's two sides to the legend. Mina was beneficent. Did I say that right? Um, Benevolent? Benevolent. I don't think he said benevolent, but we're going to go with that. He says Mina was benevolent, but vindictive. She supposedly had the power to turn her enemies into stone. Write that down, Brandon. <laughs> turn to stone Medusa ripoff. All right. <laughs> that's immediately what i thought too i was like oh shit this mummy's gonna like look at you and you're gonna die yeah that would have been cool boom okay, my next sentence says boom dad's cracked over the sarcophagus <laughs> <laughs> so josh is like you sure you want to open that and dad nods saying yeah and then they open it <laughs> <laughs> and the gang looks into the sarcophagus and josh says yuck and chloe says cool and then we get a sweeping camera shot of the mummy, and it looks it looks okay. I think the mummy looks great. I think it looks like a mummy. So whoever did the prop for this episode, like, well done. Yeah, the bandages look old. It looks pretty good. The face is kind of eh. It looks like an old, <clears throat> nasty face. Get a good look, because this is like the most you see of the mummy this whole episode. <laughs> that's true, that's true. We zip away from that scene and into a guitar that's being played by Josh. Yeah, Bobby's shredding. He is. Yeah. He's playing like an electric guitar, but it's not hooked up to anything, though. No, so it's just like... I like the sound of electric guitars when it's plugged in, but when they're not plugged in, I would rather be listening to an acoustic guitar. Yeah, that's the point. That's probably how everybody feels, though, huh? Yeah, and that's good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right, right. Cleo walks into the room with some food or whatever on a tray, and Josh stops playing and says, Don't feed him. Maybe we we can starve him out of there. And Chloe laughs, saying, Ha, I doubt it. Jocelyn says, Look, just because he doesn't have a life doesn't mean he can ruin ours. But Cleo tells him that this shit's important. It's like historic. So Josh runs up and he says, Oh yeah, like the important monkey bone that nuked our vacation last year. Whoa. Do you think they grounded it up in the dust? Yes. I was like, <laughs> yeah, oh, his dad shit. got a hold of that. <laughs> or the time he left us alone on Christmas to go see some old pots someone dug up. And Chloe's like, what can I say? He lives to work. He needs it. Do you think Cleo has to make dinner every day? Yes. That's sad. <laughs> I mean, I guess. <laughs> Maybe she's a chef. <laughs> 
Maybe she just wants to go hang out with her friends, but she can't because she's slaving over a hot stove. Yeah, making puppy chow or whatever the fuck she says. (laughs) Well, Josh says what dad needs is a girlfriend. Write that down. I did. (laughs) I just did, and then I said it. (laughs) Cleo walks into her dad's office. She says, chow time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like his, like her father is some sort of hungry She's hound. ringing a bell like, oh, come get it, buddy. She just slops it on the floor like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> there you go. Here's a dish of water for you. <laughs> Dad's like, Cleo, look at this. I managed to trans, he managed to translate some markings on the sarcophagus. He did translating work in what, like two hours? I guess. I mean, if you just know the translated. symbols, you just be like, oh, that means life, and that's good. That means... <laughs> he just quickly translated ancient Egyptian whatever. He says, apparently, there were blood sacrifices made to Mina to ensure a fruitful harvest. Josh is like, yuck, again. But Dad runs over to another part of his room, saying, then I found this. The legend of the Ring of Eternity was widely known but there's also mention of an elixir of life. The the elixir brings life, and Josh says sarcastically, wow, I'm really blown away. And then Dad tells him that there's also mention of a curse. Everything he says could be described as being said sarcastically. Who, Bobby Butnick's? Yeah, Bobby's lines. He does a really, like, I think he's a really good actor in this episode, though. He does does really good work. Well, yeah, he's a standout. But man, is he fucking sassy. He is a bit sassy, yeah. So Cleo's like, really? Dad continues, the Guardian's curse. The ancients always threatened horrible death and torture to those who disturbed their tombs. And Josh says, Which is exactly what we did. That's swell. And Dad ignores that saying, I need you guys to go back to the museum and pick up the new set of photos. My extra sets of keys are in the kitchen. And Cleo then sadly says, uh, Dad, does this officially mean the vacation's off? And Dad ignores that shit. Josh says, bingo. Cleo then says that we'll go get the pictures. The dad stops as the kids are trying to walk away. And he says, uh, I'm sorry. You know, it's, it's just, Josh scoffs and Cleo comforts him saying, it's okay, Dad, we know. Yeah. We cut back to in front of the museum with Cleo and Josh on their bikes. They carry him up the stairs. And then the camera cuts into a dark room looking at the mummy of Mina. The kids bickering in the distance until they open up the door to the room. And Cleo tells Josh to give Dad a break. And Josh complains saying, why? He never gives us one. We only get a couple of school vacations a year and then we get we get dumped on because of... Uh, and he points to the mummy because of that. And he says, yuck, for the third time this episode. Cleo tells him, it's his work, Josh. And Josh is like, what about us? We don't rate. We're here. We're alive. No, you come second to a wrinkly old corpse. Yeah, well, I mean, it's his job. This is pretty big of a discovery, so I don't know what the kids expect. I don't know. If his dad was a sandwich artist at Subway, would they be like, look, he, he, these breads are very important to him. We can't we can't have Christmas. <laughs> they, they just got the They're new coming up with a new sandwich, bread. children. That's incomparable. <laughs> I don't know. They're exactly the same thing. And Josh is like, I mean, I don't know what that thing is, but it's really gross. It's a mummy. 
That's, what a mean thing to say to Mina. She's right there. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck you are, but you're ugly. <laughs> Cleo sighs. She's over at the desk looking for the pictures, and she says, we'll go scan next time. And Josh tells her, next time is all we ever get. He turns. He accidentally kicks the sarcophagus, and it opens up a secret compartment. <laughs> Josh is like, Ugh. Everybody's just dropping shit and kicking shit. <laughs> nobody's careful with this thing no this ancient egyptian thing cleo walks over and and she says i can't believe they missed this she goes down to reach but josh stops her and saying oh there's a curse (laughs) but she does anyway she just lifts it up anyway she finds a little bottle in there some sort of elixir or whatever um she brings it to the light and tells us it's an ankh Mm -hmm. as everyone knows yeah she says it's a symbol of life and that's good. She gets excited saying, oh, we got to show dad. But Josh grabs it saying, I'll take it. It's safer with me. They fight for a moment and, of course, drop this elixir of life all over the mummy. <laughs> and Josh is like, gross. Well, I'm not picking it up. It so, like, perfectly falls on the mummy. <laughs> it, like, dribbles on the Just mummy's like, hand. like, whoops. Poor, poor, poor. So Cleo picks it up and she tells Josh... I'll take the ring. You take the vial. Don't drop it. And then the kids leave the room. We look at the mummy. It pans down over its body. And the mummy's arm moves. Mm-hmm. Mummy's alive. The kids are walking down the hallway. Josh tells his sister that his name should be the one in the paper because he made the discovery. And Cleo stops him. She's like, wait, we forgot the pictures. So the kids run back to the room. And Josh is still talking about going down in history. But then he looks over and he stops. And Cleo's still rummaging around in the desk trying to find the pictures. He says, Cleo? Cleo's like, what? And he says, Cleo. And she says, what are you? But then the kids look down at the mummy and the mummy's gone. They look at each other and they run out of the room. The camera pans over to the other door where a bandage like creeps from under the door and gets pulled through it. And then we get a commercial break. Basically, it's saying there's a mummy alive mm-hmm. somewhere around here. Yep, and it's going to figure prominently in the next part of this episode. It's the evil thing of this episode, for sure. It's going to be the Zebo, the Lonely Ghost, it's all that, but in a mummy form. Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your mummified host. If you're new to the podcast, thanks for joining, and thank you so much for our returning listeners for waiting through the holidays for our most recent episode. Being able to spend time with our families during these busy times was very refreshing, but Brandon and I totally missed recording and talking each week, so we're really happy to be back. If that wait was just too much for you, you should consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash private island. The day that I get done editing a new episode, I upload it early for all our patrons. Right now, the next episode is up and ready to be listened to, as well as our next all-new improv episode. So we have three tiers available on our Patreon, with different rewards available for each. So check it out today. I'd like to take a moment to thank our current patrons, the Golden Bostics, Bryce and Kathy, the Silver Goth Brett, and the Bronze Beth Angela. Thank you so much for your support, everybody. Brandon and I truly appreciate it. We've hit a few milestones on our social media channels, and if you're not following us yet, you should check us out. Our Twitter account at PRVT Island just hit 400 followers, while our Instagram at Private Island Presents is over 500. We work hard to bring you more Are You Afraid of the Dark content than anyone else. 
We've got original content and our handmade gifts, Are You Afraid of the Dark Meme Fridays, character bios every week, and so much more. It's just fun and funny, so please take a look and follow us today. Of course, we're available on other platforms too, including YouTube, Facebook, we even have a merch store. You can check out the episode description for our Linktree link for a quick and easy link to all of our stuff. Another way to support us and any other podcast you enjoy is to leave them a five-star review. Nothing makes us podcasters happier than seeing a new review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Subscribe to us on CastBox, Podcast Addict, or any other podcasting app that you use. Of course, word of mouth is very helpful too, and let's be honest, everyone wins with Are You Afraid of the Dark? Season 3 is almost over, and we're going to be recording our Season 3 wrap-up in a few short weeks, and we need your questions. Brandon and I always do a mini Ask Us Anything section for our review episodes, so if you have any questions about us, or about podcasting, or anything really, please get them in. You can send them to us on any of our social medias, or you can email them to us at privateislandpresents at gmail.com. We really appreciate it, guys. Thank you. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for his work on the music for our podcast. Aside from this theme, A Moment of Relief from Resident Evil Code Veronica, composed by Takeshi Miura. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. Now, I'd like to play a short promo for a new podcast coming soon. It's called 5 and 30 with Ruck, and I'm really excited to start listening to this one. He's going to be interviewing other podcast creators and voice actors, and I think it's going to be a great way to find new shows. You are listening to 530 on your podcast aisle. Confused yet? Well, my dad, Raymond, or Ruckland, is putting out 5 and 30, an interview podcast. Wait, wait, don't leave. It's not going to be one of those boring, hour-long shows, no. He's going to be sitting down with creators, voice actors, and hosts from many different shows that he swears you will have heard of, and asking them five random questions. They could be simple, deep, or just plain silly, and after they answer them, they'll get 30 seconds to plug whatever they want. No matter what, the goal is for you, yes you, to get to know the people behind the shows you listen to even better. And who knows, maybe you'll even find a new show to check out. This will all be coming to you everywhere you already get your podcasts starting the first week of the new year. Check castjunkie.com for more details. <sighs> okay, Dad, I did the thing. Can I please go now? 5 and 30 with Ruck, coming soon. I'd like to thank you all again for listening to us each week. It's still, and probably always will be, an amazing feeling knowing that we make people laugh every week. For now... I'll let you get back to the show, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Back from commercial break, the kids burst into their house, and they screaming for their dad. They're like, Dad, we found the ring of eternity. But it looks like their house has been just completely ransacked, and shit's all over the floor. They run upstairs into Dad's office. All of his paperwork is everywhere. Phone's off the hook. Josh puts it back down on the receiver. He grabs a paper and it says, I've got to go to the museum after all. Sorry, I love you, Dad. And Josh says, he must have split before all this happened. And then we hear something shatter from downstairs and someone walking up the stairs. And Josh is like, what was that? You don't think it's... 
and the kids run to the door as we see a first-person camera shot of something outside making its way to where the kids are. The kids get to the door in time, they shut it, and yell at the thing to go away and leave them alone, and Josh yells, I gotta go get Dad. Cleo says, the window! Now, it's implying that this is the mummy, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, spoilers. But it's not. It's not the mummy. I just love this part. Cleo yells, oh, let's go out the window. They're on the second floor. We don't see them es- escaping at all, though. It just cuts to front the front of the museum. So we don't get anything exciting, like kids climbing out the window, <laughs> making their way to the ground level. No, Nothing. we just get yet another shot of the exterior of the museum. Yep, with the kids riding their bikes. Inside the museum, Josh yells a few times for his dad, and then he turns to Cleo saying, he must not be here. It's the curse. And Cleo tells him it's made up, and he has the ring or whatever in his hand saying, oh yeah, does this look real to you? It's just like the legend says. Cleo's like, no way. And Josh says, what about the bottle you're carrying around with you? That's real too. And what about the mummy? Cleo can't believe this shit, but Josh yells at her some more, saying, No, it's gone, Cleo. Cleo asks what he's saying. That a 10,000-year-old mummy just hopped off the table, and but they're interrupted by the sound of some sort of uh, mummy breathing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Josh slowly turns his head to look over at the door as some gnarly mummy fingers reach around to open it up, just like Nosferatu from Midnight Madness. And Josh says, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And the two kids run out of the room. That part was pretty alright. I liked it. Yeah, I guess. There could have been more of that, but there's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the thing. Is Just like with The Watcher, I was waiting for this to build up to something, and it just doesn't. It really doesn't. I was like, oh man, we see the hand, like... At some point, we're going to get, like, a cool, full reveal of this walking mummy, but no. Spoilers, but no. Spoilers, we don't get a full reveal of the mummy at all. (laughs) Never. No. They make their way down some halls. They see the shadow of somebody down another hall, so they run the other way. They go down some stairs. As Cleo says, we'll lose it in the basement. And Josh is like, we'll get lost down here. Now what? And Cleo says, there's a fire exit on the backside. So Josh, he sniffs the air, and then he asks, what's that nasty smell? Write that down. Well, I assumed it was, like, from the mummy, which I guess is probably what they want us to assume, right? I don't know. I didn't assume anything. I knew it would come back up, but I was like, okay, there's a nasty smell. I just thought it smelled bad because the mummy was, like, a decaying corpse. Yeah, decaying corpses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That checks out. (laughs) The kids slowly make their way around the basement, and Cleo says... I think we got a... And then they round a corner right into a mummy. So the kids both scream. But this mummy isn't the real the real live mummy that's following them. And Cleo's like, oh, No, wait. this is a fake-out mummy. It's a fake-out mummy. And she says... Oh, wait. Wait. It's just stuffy. So they have, like, a pet name for this stuffed mummy? Look, they live in this museum. Their father's here all the time. He refuses to leave. This didn't need to happen. I'm sure I'm sure they play and have names and backstories and they just What a life. Yeah. Well Josh looks at it annoyed and then the kids walk by Stuffy. And that's the last time we see Stuffy. Yep. Unfortunately, because I would have enjoyed some more mummies. The kids round a corner and find the exit, but oh fuck, it's locked. 
So Josh asks, how can they lock a fire door? Which is honestly a fantastic question. Like, what the hell? Cleo then makes a comment about how about the shitty smell again, and we hear footsteps from where the kids had just come. They see a shadow, so they knock down some boxes to slow the thing down, and they make their way back to the stairs. They find themselves in front of the door, but it's locked too. And Chloe says, they jammed the door. We're trapped. In front of Cleo, a hand drops, just like in fucking Jurassic Park. Yes, I thought the same thing. Exactly like in Jurassic Park. She screams. Josh screams, Dad. And up on a little podium thing is Dad. He wakes up as Cleo asks if he's okay. And Dad asks what's going on. And then the shadow from earlier makes its way to the family as Josh says, I think you're about to see for yourself. The shadow person walks towards them, and it turns out to be Dr. Capel Smith. Yay. Mm. Yeah. So Josh tells him to look out because the, the mummy's on the loose, and Capel Smith laughs at him, saying, I don't think so. And Dad asks what's going on. Capel Smith menacingly tells him that those kids have something he wants. And Josh asks, what? And Dad still doesn't understand because he's an idiot. What was he doing in the basement, the dad? Well, he got knocked out by dr capel smith and i think that he somehow planned for the kids to be in the basement and he was gonna burn all the the whole family all at once oh okay he was just gonna murder them all okay yeah that makes sense got it yeah so dr capel smith moved the dad down there right to burn him. to burn him yes so dad still doesn't understand what's going on and and capel smith slaps back with then you're not as astute as i thought i want the ring of eternity and Dad says, I didn't find the ring. And Capel Smith says, no, but your children did. I thought you found the ring and I wasn't about to let it be reclaimed by the Egyptian authorities when it was so near my grasp. Then we get this really weird, like, sepia-filtered flashback of the doctor searching their home. He watches the kids bust back inside of their house. And basically we just watched this stuff from the episode that we already watched, like, Less than five fucking minutes ago? Yeah, but now we get to have the bad guy explain his entire plan and motives and all of his actions to these people that he's going to murder. Yeah. It's it's played in some sort of revealing, like, movie giant scope of things layered in secrecy or whatever. There's only four characters in this whole episode. Yeah, he really just could have said, I was the one who destroyed your house or whatever. And everyone in the audience would have been like, oh, okay. We didn't need to see it. It was so much. It was it was crazy. The doctor demands the ring. Dad's like, you can't be serious. But the doctor is. I intend to use that ring for myself. Now give it to me. Dad steps in front of the kids and Doc tells him, I wouldn't do that if I were you, Professor. That odor you smell is kerosene. I've soaked most of these crates. One touch of this torch in this museum becomes a furnace. And Dad's like, you wouldn't. And Doc is like, you want to take that risk? This man is a, a doctor of archaeology, and he's just going to burn this all of this stuff. For no real reason. Eh, I mean, he's going to have eternal life. At least in his mind. Yeah, okay. I guess so. Like, when you're eternal like all this old shit doesn't matter true you'll eventually get new old shit yeah we look at Cleo, and she stutters out a i think we should give it to him and dad starts to protest but she says there's nothing to think about we got to do it josh give him the ring then josh starts to protest Cleo's like just give it to him 
So Josh pulls the ring out of his pocket. He rolls it on the ground like it's a fucking penny to the doctor. He laughs a bit, and Dad's like, okay, now let me go. <laughs> now let them go. And Doc says, oh, I'm afraid I can't do that, Professor. I'm sure you'd go right to the authorities, and I can't have them track me for the rest of eternity now, can I? And he lights a lighter and is about to blaze that shit up, and Cleo says, well, at least let us see if the ring works. Which I like that part. I'm like, that was a good one, Cleo. I mean, I want to see if it works, too. Yeah. We get this close-up shot of this dude's face, and he gets all excited, saying, Why not? And he lifts his pinky finger up really dramatically. He slowly (laughs) slides the ring on it, and then he starts glowing all blue. Kind of like that lady from Tale of the Magician's Assistant. And he's giggling, and he's saying, It's wonderful. I thought he looked like Violet from Willy Wonka when oh, that's a good she blows up and looks blue. Yeah, that's that's true. He looks like that, too. He's like, behold, you are now gazing at an immortal. And he laughs, <laughs> and then his voice modulates, and the blue shifts to green. And he's like, what's this? <gasps> and then he starts turning to stone, and he screams, no! And then he fully turns to a stone statue. He drops the torch. Cleo yells out, look out, and Josh grabs it off the ground before it can cause a fire, saying, saved, and it's a beauty. What I, what does that mean? I don't know. Maybe it's like some sort of 90s sports reference or something. I don't know. Some 90s Canadian sports reference? Yeah. That is like at least three times removed from anything I would know anything about. Josh picks the ring up off the ground because apparently when you turn to stone, all your jewelry just falls off your fingers first. And he slaps the torch out on the ground. Dad walks up. He touches the doctor's statue. He's like, incredible. I guess I guess he got what he wanted after all. Immortality. He just saw a man turn to stone. <laughs> and he's just like, huh, that's pretty neat. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite part of the episode. Is that he just saw a man die in front of him. And he's like, dope. <laughs> like, it's not only just a guy, though. It's like somebody he he's worked with. He's worked with for, for years. years. Well, sure, he was gonna murder them like a minute ago, but still. Yeah, but it was so fast. It's like you could forgive that. I mean, you have such a long history with this man, and he just turned to stone in front of you, and you're just like, "That's pretty awesome." <laughs> oh man, we look at Josh, who says, "Very clever, little sister," and Dad says, "Excuse me." And Cleo tells him that the translation says the ring brings eternity, the elixir brings life. Josh adds, saying, he knew we had the ring, but he didn't know we had this. And he hands Cleo the elixir. And Dad grabs it, saying, the elixir, it's real. Then we hear some noises, and we see a shadow around the corner. They all cower a little, and Josh says, Um, we forgot to tell you, Dad. Uh, uh, The mummy's missing. Cleo gasps. And the mummy's face rounds the corner. And Dad's like, my God, it's alive. But let's go back for a second here. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if they have the elixir. Because he didn't even know about the elixir, right? He just wanted the ring. Yeah. So who cares if they have the elixir? The ring killed him. And that's... I don't know. And that's good. The kids are acting like like we missed something. But like he didn't miss anything. He wanted the ring. He didn't care about the elixir at all. No. He was just stupid. (sighs) Like, they took a gamble that that ring would kill him, essentially. 
they didn't know it was going to turn him to stone and that maybe the elixir would bring him back to life or whatever. Like, did he need both the ring and the elixir? Did he need to turn to stone and then have somebody dribble the elixir on him to become immortal? I'm not exactly sure how and in what order you need to combine these things. Oh, well, moving on. So we get a look at this mummy and it's like just around the corner a little bit so we can see its face and like a little bit of its torso and its and its arm. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is. Like did the makeup department or whatever just not have the budget for a full mummy? That's what I think. Because you see a little bit of a hand and like the top part while it hides around a corner like just come on. Well, the mummy reaches its hand out, and it's uttering some, like, mummy sounds, I guess. <laughs> and Josh looks down at the elixir, saying, The elixir brings life. The ring brings eternity. And he steps forward towards the mummy. Cleo feebly attempts to stop him, and he slowly puts the ring on the mummy's finger. A blue glow surrounds the mummy, and it transforms into Mina, alive and human Wearing the fakest looking yeah. Pocahontas high school play costume. Yeah. It's like It doesn't look good. It's like a bunch of white white people were like, This is Egyptian, right? And they slapped it on her. It's got gold on it. It's Egyptian. This is Egyptian cotton, so yeah. Throw that on <laughs> her. And Cleo's like Mina? And Mina takes a few steps towards them and she looks at Dad. And he says, Mina? <laughs> and Mina grabs the elixir from Dad and then runs her fingers through his hair. And Josh turns to Cleo and says, I wonder if she likes to ski. And he smiles. And Mina kind of smiles. We look at a caveman drawing a fire on the wall that fades into the <laughs> campfire of the Midnight Society. And that's the end of the episode. Is he going to fuck that mummy? Yeah. He needs a girlfriend. Don't you remember what Josh said? So he just they bring a mommy back to life and she's just gonna like live in the nineties now and Yeah. Be his love slave? Uh yes. Yep. And also she's may or may not be immortal, so Yeah, and a goddess and a guardian. <laughs> Did they use up all of the elixir when they spilled it on the mummy? <sighs> God, I hope not. Because, like, if they had more elixir, like, go find their mom's grave and pour some on her. Holy shit, Brandon. That's that's dark. <laughs> no, it's not. That's life. That's, that's good. <sighs> you just, like, summed up the <laughs> pet cemetery. <laughs> well, Mina seems like she's okay and non-murderous. We get to see her for, for like, now. two seconds. She could still be murderous. <laughs> She runs fingers through his hair, not through his eyes. Yeah, she's like, all right, gotta check out the hair first, see how I can kill this man. I don't know. What a story. This is a story a ten-year-old would tell. Like, like I said, it was it was well acted, and I don't know, just that whole, like, backstory scene of seeing what Capel Smith was doing in the house and stuff, that was insane. Why did they put that in there? It recapped something that happened like five minutes ago that any fucking idiot could understand without it. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. 
that happened and I was just like, what the fuck? It's like it, it's it's like it tried to be a movie. I still liked the episode though. I thought it was pretty alright. It was okay. Back at the Midnight Society, Tucker says as he stands up to walk around, so the true Guardian's curse was immortality, and Dr. Capel Smith was the final victim. The end. Betty Ann and Sam look at each other excitedly. Tucker walks off into the forest alone, and Sam's like, See, wasn't it worth it to let him borrow that? And Gary's like, Okay, I guess the story was pretty good. Hey, the little toad still has my onk. And he runs after Tucker into the night. Sam grabs the bucket, throws it on the fire, and the episode is fucking over. Of course he still has the onk. He just got finished with the story like two seconds ago. Good point, yeah. But they both go to the same house, so he's going to have to return it eventually anyway. And also, you can get a new onk, Gary. Come on. He knows where to get an onk. He probably just has them all at his dad's shop. <laughs> like, his dad was probably running after him into the forest because Gary stole it first. <laughs> Gary, that was in my secret drawer. <laughs> Well, that was the tale of the Guardian's Curse. Moral of the story, don't have sex with mummies? I don't know. (laughs) Okay, I know what the moral. Moral of the story is use your vacation and your sick time at work, okay? Because working sucks, and that vacation and sick time is there for a reason, so make sure you use it. That's what I got. That's what I got out of this episode. (laughs) I'm sure that's what Tucker was really trying to get across. <laughs> yeah, 10-year-old Tucker. Use your sick time, guys. <laughs> Mental health is important, so make sure you just take time off of work. Workers' rights are <laughs> very dear to my heart. <laughs> oh. Well, Brandon, the tale of the Guardian's curse. There is no curse in this episode, though. There's barely a Guardian. But I do like the episode name. But I think we can come up with a better one. (laughs) Divorced from the actual context of the episode, it's a cool name. Yes. We can can come up with something better. Like, I don't know, The Tale of the Mummy? The Tale of the Shy Mummy. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Tale of the Ring of Eternity? The Tale of Bobby Budnick? (laughs) The Tale of Mummies Alive? (laughs) The Tale of the Useless Backstory? Uh, the tale of Dr. Capel Smith. <laughs> <laughs> that just rolls right off the tongue. So descriptive. You would have been like, it's mummies. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that's about all I got, though, actually. For yeah, I like that. Guardian's Curse. I like that name, though. I think it's I think it's pretty cool. I wish that there was both a guardian and a curse in this episode, but. You know, hey, they mention curses a lot. Yeah, and they do call Mina a gar- Mina a guardian like two or three times, but whatever. So, Brandon, up next, mm-hmm. season three, episode nine. We're almost done with season three already, man. It's fucking yeah, ridiculous. Um, so season three, episode nine is called. Are you ready for this? Yeah, the tale of the curious camera. Who do you think is going to tell this story? Gary. This is this is a Gary. And it's a story based on something in his dad's shop. A camera that makes the world upside down when you look through it. Something stupid. <laughs> I was just gonna say that sounds stupid, so okay. <laughs> yeah. It's a stupid story. I bet you 
I bet you it's going to be Say Cheese and Die, except in Are You Afraid of the Dark World. It better not be. The only thing I remember about Say Cheese and Die is the cover, because it had skeletons on it, and they were having a picnic. Yeah, I remember seeing that cover a lot before I actually read it, and I was like, this book's going to be fucking scary. Yeah, me too. I never read it. (laughs) It was too scary. (laughs) It's still too scary, even as a 30-year-old man. Well, shit, this episode might rock our socks or whatever. And in the off chance that it is secretly just say she's and die. <laughs> what else could it be? Nothing. <laughs> all right. Well, Brandon, I've been up all night, man. I think I'm going to get going to sleep. All right. That sounds good. All right. Well, I will talk to you in a week, Brandon, for the tale of the curious camera. All right. I'll see you then. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. The Guardian.